Listening to the Moon Child coming to you Thursday, May 13th, 10 a.m. on a nice, nice day. It's been nice days lately. It's starting, the weather is starting to get very consistent, it's starting to get very hot, you know, a lot more hot than what I'm used to. It's going to be my first experience in a whole summer in Sacramento. And, you know, me coming from the Bay Area, I'm used to having that. 72 to 75 degree weather with a nice chill little breeze and I'm able to wear pants in the summer well this summer is going to be a little different because I don't think I'm going to be able to wear pants this summer so I got to upgrade my short game and got to get a little bit more t-shirts I got to you know update my wardrobe a little bit to kind of make sense for the weather and help me not you know sweat through my clothes 24 7. Other than that, I know it's been a week, been bu pretty busy, but on the good on the good side is yesterday I have got my second dose of the vaccine. So now I can say that I am fully vaccinated. We outside summer 2021. You know your boy over here turns 21 this summer. You know it's the year of the 2000 baby and I think we are this most special year of babies because we can't say you can't say that we are 2000s baby you know we're not no 2001 or 2000 and etc or 1990 something or whatever we are 2000 and that means for as long as we're gonna live you know for this next century if it's 2052 we're gonna be 52 years old 2043 we're gonna be 43 years old i think it's just a special mark but other than that I am happy to be back with you for episode 49. And that means we are close to 50. I want to try to do something a little bit special for 50. I got to make sure I plan that out correctly. And I kind of want to give you all an update on my life uh, when it comes to that episode and kind of just reflect on how when I started this podcast and see how much growth we've grown over time. Other than that, as far as this episode, you know, a lot has been going on this past week with my Kings um, around the league. I got some Lakers slander today, and I got to talk about my Oakland A's and the relocation. And I also want to talk about the 49ers schedule. But what we're going to start with today is my Kings. And as I title this episode, I am calling the final push. The song that I just played for the introduction is called Pressure by James Vickery with S.G. Lewis. And the reason I put that song on is because we have the pressure on us. The New Orleans Pelicans have officially been eliminated and there's only one other team in the Western Conference that's not in the top 10 that has a chance to make the playoffs. It's a slim chance, but it's a very good chance as well. And as the Sacramento Kings, we have not been eliminated from playoff contention yet. And the roller coaster season 
continues. It don't get any crazier than this. But first and foremost, if we want this to happen, we are New York Knicks fans tonight. Let's go Knicks because they are going against the Spurs and we need the Spurs to lose their next three games. As the Kings, we need them to win the next three games. See, the situation is that the Kings are 2.5, 2.5 games behind the Spurs. And there are only three games left in the season. Now, because we lost to the Spurs in that must-win game, the Spurs have the tiebreaker over us. So we cannot afford any losses, and we cannot afford the Spurs winning. The Spurs did lose to the Nets last night, but that win when they beat the Milwaukee Bucks definitely gave them a boost. So all the Spurs need to do is win one more game, and they're in the play-in because, like I said, we're two and a half games behind, and there are three games left. But if you look at the schedule, the schedule favors us a lot more than it favors them. Now, with the Kings' last three remaining games, we have a back-to-back versus the Grizzlies. Are we favored against the Grizzlies? No. And on top of that, the Grizzlies need to win these next games. And it, But the thing is, after this back-to-back with the Grizzlies, if we can win back-to-back with the Grizzlies, even with all the injured people and missing people that we have, which I will get into in a second, then we get to end out the season versus the Jazz, who I am 85% sure where they're going to be playing their, the, the guys on you know 11th through 15th in their rotation. They're definitely not, they're already getting ready for the playoffs. That game is not going to mean anything to the Jazz. Well, with the Spurs, they play against the Knicks. And the funny thing about the Knicks is, yeah, they just clinched the playoffs, but they are fighting for seeding at the moment. Right now, they are in the sixth seed, but if they can finish the last three games strong, they can end up as the fourth seed and have home advantage for the first round of the playoffs. And they don't have to play against, you know, um, the Heat, the Hawks, and the Knicks are not trying to get that sixth seed because they're not trying to play the Knicks, not the Knicks, the Nets or the Bucks in the first round. If they can get that 4-5 matchup, especially where you can get home advantage, that's the goal for those teams. So I am guessing that the Knicks will be trying to catch a W tonight, and hopefully they will because it's against the Spurs, and the Kings desperately need the Spurs to lose out. Now, after the Spurs play the Knicks, they have a back-to-back with the Suns. Now, why does the Suns need to win? They're automatically going to the playoffs. You know, there's also a question, shoot, they might even try to lose out. Well, with the Suns is if the Jazz can lose these next three games, they have a chance to get that number one seed. Or if the Suns really want to be deceptive, they might even try to lose out and try to get a three seed and let the Clippers pass them. That way they don't have to potentially play against the Lakers in the first round. But who knows? But me thinking on how Monty Williams has been running that Suns team, I don't think he's going to let them not compete. I think Suns are going to try to compete at a high level and finish out the season strong. And hopefully they do. And that means taking care of business versus the Spurs. Now, as far as the Spurs, you still have to respect them. They are coached by the greatest coach to ever coach this game behind Phil Jackson. And, you know, it's kind of a long shot to think that the Spurs in must-win games for the last three games of the season will lose out. And a dysfunctional organization and franchise like the Kings win out. But there's still a chance. We don't know. You know, there's a lot of things we don't know is going to happen. And I'm just going to believe and stick behind them. I know the odds aren't against us. I'm not going to say we're favorites. But 
as we've been proven, this has been a roller coaster season. They can shock me and surprise me in any way possible. Now, as far as we have, what we have been doing these past games, we beat the Thunder twice in a row. Like, uh, and I said, if we lose one of those games versus the Thunder, we're done. But we took care of business. And I think it's time to get a shout out to Monty McNair for bringing these three guys in. Terrence Davis, DeLon Wright, Mo Harkless has been huge additions. And I think they're going to be very good pieces that we need to bring back for next season as far as bench and, you know, in rotations where they could start on some games. I think they're very good depth guys. I think Terrence Davis has potential to be a starter in this league very soon. If it's not next year, it will be the year after that. I think Terrence Davis is more of a priority than bringing back Rashawn Holmes, not only because he's cheaper, but also because he's younger and he has a lot more room to grow. He has an interest in he has an interest in dynamic to his game where he's not where he's a three and D player, but he has experience playing the point. And he's able to dish you up five at least five assists when, you know, the ball is in his hands for a long amount of time. And he's just been balling out and he plays competitive defense where if he has a bad night offensively, I won't really care because I know he's doing his job defensively. He brings a competitiveness and he brings a lot of defensive IQ that we've been desperately needing this whole season. And I am very intrigued on how much better he can get. DeLon Wright, without Fox and Halliburton, he's been stepping up. He's been putting around 17, 8, and 7. He plays at his own pace. I think he's the perfect 6th, 7th man for this team to be the backup point guard for Darren Fox and with Tyrese Halliburton. I think he can play off ball. He can play on ball. And he's just, he's very quirky. You know, he He's one of those players where he, you know, he has, he goes at his own pace where he does these little spins. He does, he has a shifty slenderness to his game, a little craftiness, and it's it's hard it's hard to guard. It's hard to guard, and it's pretty remarkable watching him play. Um, I think he can definitely bring in a Sean Livingston type role coming off the bench for us, where you know he's he's six five, he's long, and he can create for others while getting his own shot off. So I really like the dynamic he has brought. And the last addition is Mo Harkless. You know, Harrison Barnes has been out, and even with Bagley, all those guys have been out. He's been in the starting lineup a couple of times, and he brings an aggressiveness and a competitiveness that this team desperately needed. He brings an edginess, you know. Obviously, we know his versatility defensively, and he can knock down the three occasionally, but it's the mentality and, you know, the, the edginess that he brings. And I think he's been a very, you know, I think, he could have been out the league. This, this, I think this move to Sacramento gave him a realization that if he don't, you know, succeed here, he's probably going to be out the league because the Miami Heat valued him as nothing. And honestly, he's brought very good value to the Sacramento Kings team. These three guys have been helping us stay in playoff contention. Like I said, like two weeks ago, it looked like we were out of it, especially out of that losing streak, or you know how we started off when we lost to to the Timberwolves and when we lost to the to the Pistons. So to see how we bounce back and we keep fighting, it's something that you love to see going into the next season. But even talking about going to the next season, this season's still not over yet. And that's very exciting. You know, being a Kings fan, the season is usually early fast. To, you know, be able to still be in that playoff contention throughout the whole season is definitely a big milestone. It's something to, you know, acknowledge. Now, when we talk about the guys that we're missing... Uh, we're going to be missing De'Aaron Fox and Halliburton and Woodward for this game against the Grizzlies. It's even crazier because we didn't even have Bagley last night, I mean the last game, 
and he's listed at questionable. Buddy Heald is even listed at questionable. And Harrison Barnes has been out recently, and he's listed at questionable. So all I can say, you know, if we're talking about this matchup versus the Grizzlies, we don't have Fox. We obviously don't have Halliburton. Um, I don't know if Bagley's going to be there or Barnes. Heald usually always plays. Obviously, we're not the favorite. And, you know, we're not, you know, we're definitely the underdogs going into this. I think we can use that as fuel. And, you know, we can go out fight it because the Grizzlies need to win this game as well. Grizzlies need to win. They're trying to fight with that eighth seed with the Warriors, and they can't afford losses right now. And they have shown that they have been a better team this season, especially when we don't even got our two best players in Fox and Halliburton. But all I can ask is we can go out fighting. The pressure is going to be on Grizzlies to, you know, keep this up. So that way they can get an eighth seed. The pressure isn't on us. Um... Is actually on the other teams. The pressure is on the Spurs to continue winning. All I can ask is if we can go out fighting. And I think the guys that we added, the way that the team has been playing, also shout out to guys like Metsu, Rashawn Holmes. We already know the energy he brings, but I don't think he's going to be back with the team next year, unfortunately. That's going to be another topic. But all the guys, even Kyle Guy, has been getting pretty good minutes. Justin James have been giving us solid minutes. So it's, it's, it's nice to see the passion coming from a team. And that's also to start with Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton has been on the bench. You can see the energy and the leadership and the culture changing that he's bringing to this franchise. It's always nice to see. So, you know, hopefully we can get Fox for the second Grizzlies game. If we can upset the Grizzlies tonight, get Fox for the second Grizzlies, you know, for the last two games of the season and hope the Spurs lose. And maybe we can make this 10th seed. I would love to make that 10th seed and get an opportunity to play against the Grizzlies in a play-in, you know? I would love the opportunity. I want to see this team play the most competitive games at the highest level possible. So this is an opportunity that we're trying to make the most of. We're going to have to see what happens. But, you know, we don't necessarily control our destiny the same way that the Spurs do because we did lose to them. Now let's talk about Luke Walton for a second. Now there was a report that came out that Fox trusts him. And... You know, I, like I said about Luke Walton, I've been an iffy, iffy, you know. I don't know necessarily on how motivated the team is. Now, lately, the team has looked motivated. Do I want him back next year? I don't want a downgrade next year. Like, if Jason Kidd, if we have opportunity to get Jason Kidd, I want Jason Kidd over Luke Walton. But some no-name young coach, kind of like what the Pacers did or like what the Timberwolves did, I don't think I want that over Luke Walton because, you know, how I feel about you know, if we do fire Luke Walton, that's going to be like the fourth coach that the Kings have fired after two years. Now, if the player is coming out saying that they trust him, then I'm going to go by the player's voice. I don't care what people say about Luke Walton as a coach. Like I said, there has been talent issues more than coaching issues as well. And the talent issues are being fixed by Monty McNair. And this is only his first season. We're going to see what he does in his first full off season and his second draft. And see what he does with these contracts, moving piece pieces and all that good stuff. But if De'Aaron Fox is saying he trusts him, then I have no problem being him for year three. But the thing is, if we go with year three with him, there's no excuses for us to not be an eighth or seventh seed. Because I know Monty McNair is going to do his job with the roster. And, there's, and we can't have inconsistent basketball. See, the tricky thing about Luke Walton and what he's shown this year, he's shown that this team could go on some winning streaks. Like, we can win a lot of games. We've shown that we can be a top 15 offense. But we've shown, also shown that we can be terrible on defense. 
and we also shown that we can go on multiple losing streaks. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, but, you know, Halliburton in year two, another year with Terrence Davis, DeLon Wright, Mo Harkless, hopefully, it, it, it can be interesting to see what happens next year. But if we start off terrible, you know, then I'm going to have to expect a fire. Um, the time is ticking as far as what we can do with De'Aaron Fox, you know, before he goes and leaves to a better situation. If we can't prove to him that we can become a, a contender winning, then he's not going to stay. Bogdan Bogdanovich just came out with a statement that it was tough from him for him coming from Serbia or whatever league he was playing in, coming from a winning culture, coming to an organization that didn't know what, you know what they were doing as far as what their goals was. And, you know, we're on the track of trying to fix that. But, you know, I'm pretty sure De'Aaron Fox understands since he came from winning in high school, came from winning, you know, well, being successful in college and then coming to this situation. So uh, we cannot fail him in this these next four years where we have a star player on our hands and we can't just waste his career, kind of like what we did to DeMarcus Cousins. Now, there's obviously different contexts because, like I said, we have Monty McNair. But... If we do go with Luke Walton again next year, I'm not. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. I truly believe it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to be angry with it. I think the more time with the coach is the better. Um, but the pressure will be on him for sure next year. There's no excuses, you know. I think the roster has solidified themselves to at least be a seventh or eighth seed, you know, depending on the additions we'll be make this year going into the next year. We will be having to ready to be able to compete for a playoff spot because. We did just watch the Jazz. I mean, not the Jazz. We watched the Suns turn it around, make the playoffs. We watched the Knicks turn around and make the playoffs. And we also watched the Hawks turn around and make the playoffs. A lot of teams broke a lot of big playoff playoff droughts, where the Suns haven't made it since what 2011, and then the Knicks haven't made it since 2013, and the Hawks haven't made it since 2017. Yeah, understand. A lot of teams don't have these long playoff droughts, and then the Kings are sitting here at 14, about to be 15. So. There's no excuses. It has to be playoff playoffs next year. It has to. And if Luke Walton is going to be the coach, he has to make sure that happens. No excuses, no and, ifs, or buts about that. So that's the final push as far as where the Kings go. I kind of want to talk about around the league a little bit. I want to talk about this Eastern Conference seeding a little bit where it comes to the Hawks, the Heat, the Knicks. It looks like the Celtics are going to be in that seventh seed for sure. They just lost Jalen Brown to the end of the season for the rest of the season, unfortunately. This year is definitely not their year. But you got the Hawks, the Heat, and the Knicks fighting for that fourth and fifth, sixth seed. Now, all these teams, now the Hawks and the Knicks, you know, if they their goal is to get the fourth and fifth seed um, because they're not going to win in the second round. Or if they get paired up against Philly or Brooklyn, they're not going to get past the first round. Now, the Heat is a little interesting because this team went to the finals last year. Now, um, I actually, if for as far as what I want to watch, I want to see the Heat be a sixth seed. I want to see them play against either Brooklyn or Milwaukee in the first round. I think that would be interesting. Give the Hawks and the Heat, I mean, give the Hawks and the Knicks a chance to just battle it out and win a playoff series and then lose to Philly in the next round. That way Philly can go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think they could go to the Finals. But I would love to see the Heat versus... I really want to see the Heat versus Brooklyn in the first in the first round. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen because 
the Milwaukee Bucks are two games behind the Nets, and the Nets will have to lose the next three games, like their last three games, and the Bucks will have to win um, the next three games, which is possible for the Bucks, but it's not very possible for the Nets to lose the last three games of the season when you got James Harden and KD on the team. But I would love to see that Miami Heat um, and Bucks rematch in the first round. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that. And the Heat and the Knicks share the same record right now. And like I said, we're rooting for the Knicks. We're rooting for the Knicks right now. I hate their fan base low-key. Um, nah, nah, I can't hate their fan base. They're actually really loyal. They just get a little annoying sometimes, a little arrogant, you know what I'm saying? But uh, they haven't, they've been really stuck with their team, you know, holding it down, especially when you got Brooklyn right there, you know, having these stars and most majority of the city is still a Knicks fan. So got to respect that. But if the Knicks can get the fourth and fifth seed, I would love to see a Knicks and Hawks series. You know, I got to give respect to the Hawks as well. Shout out to Nick McMillan for changing that thing around. I didn't have the Hawks as a playoff team. I didn't have the Knicks as a playoff team. Um, did I have the Hornets as a playoff team? I don't think I did. I had the Wizards had a, as a playoff team. I think the Bulls um, disappointed. The Bulls and Raptors definitely disappointed me. I definitely had them as playoff teams. I think the, I had the Cavs sneaking in there maybe um, towards the end as well. But teams that I slept on, it was I had the I had the Hornets barely missing it. I believe I have to recheck my predictions. I'm gonna go over that where I was right and where I was wrong based on my season predictions. But as far as the Hawks and Knicks, they definitely surprised me. And that's when, where I'm looking at the Kings. And I'm like, okay, next year we definitely got to make that jump. There's no excuse. But, you know, that's going to be a little interesting thing to look at as far as the last three games of the season and where those seedings go. I don't think the Wizards are going to choke the 10th seed to the Bulls. And it looks like they're, I don't think the Bulls are going to be able to catch up to the Wizards I think the Wizards at least all they need to do is win at least one more game kind of like the same situation as the Spurs but let's talk about the MVP conversation for a second now I've been going all over the place with this MVP and I had him be at number one for a while and now Jokic just kind of took it over but then I've been talking about Steph Curry being the best player in the world and right now where I'm standing at is that all of them are worthy yes it's not the popular answer but I wouldn't even be mad if they do a trifecta MVP this year where they three players get to share it. Because it just is different ways that it goes in. And you got so many guys putting up nice numbers where you can even at, talk about, what's it called? You can talk about Chris Paul. You can talk about Giannis. And then even when James Harden, when he was healthy. It's just, there's so many different players playing great. And that's part where I'm trying to get to. You, got, you just got to appreciate the good basketball that they're displaying on night-to-night basis or when they're when they are playing due to injuries messing people up because LeBron was in the conversation before he went down and all of them are worthy now if you want to go by the numbers by you know the plus minus and far as impact on the floor based on the numbers and you know based on my eye test Jokic wins that you know his plus minus is the best uh, his win shares, all of that, his numbers is the best when he's on the court. Um, and if you want to put that category as the most valuable player, you can because it's not only the numbers that supports that, you know, his case for an MVP is also the eye test. What he does in the fourth quarter and how that team is built around him or how that team plays when, especially when we come down to the fourth quarter, is just how the offense is literally ran through him and he he's not a liability defensively either 
it's something amazing to watch, especially when you see Jamal Murray go down and they're still able to keep the same success where now they're in a very good position where they're going to be the fourth seed and there's a chance that they can still get the three seed. All the brought and it proved that the Nuggets issues at the beginning of the season wasn't Jokic or nothing. It was just the roster and they made some roster changes, added Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee and gave him some pieces that he needed that he was missing from what he had last year in Miles Plumley and Jeremy Grant. And they did, they're doing their thing. So, you know, as far as the numbers, it's definitely Jokic. Now, if you're talking about dominance and team success, being the most dominant player on the best team, um, you got to go with Embiid. And I've, that hasn't, you know, there's another story to that where you could talk about the team success and how dominant he is, but it's also the eye test on what he's doing on the court. He's an easy 30 and 11 guy, being a huge impact, being not being a rim protector, but just going down the post where you can't stop him one on one, and if you double team him, he makes the team better. And he's seven two, unstoppable. You know, he's him and Steph Curry, in my opinion, are the best players. You know, depending on what you want, as because this is the three point error shooting league, I'm gonna have to go with Steph Curry, of course. But as far as like, you know having a dominant force on your team you have Embiid where you can't stop him one-on-one you know going when he goes in the post his mid-range is unstoppable his footwork is amazing and he's just bigger than stronger than everybody as well he's just a freaking freaking nature I got to see him live he's not seven foot zero he's not seven foot one that dude is at least seven foot two and he's just humongous and the, the fact that he can move like that at that size is phenomenal so you know he obviously has that case and doing what he's doing right now with Philly, being the best team in the Eastern Conference um, pretty much for majority of the year, while also being the best player. You know, you know if you compare it to the Jazz or the Suns, you know, Jazz obviously and the Suns have better records, but Joel Embiid is better than Rudy Gobert, and he's more valuable than Rudy Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell and even Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So, you know, you have that argument. And then you have another argument where you have Steph Curry. His downfall is, okay, he has the team success, but the numbers he's putting up and the fact that he is the best player and the most valuable player in the NBA. In this era, he is the master of this game right now. And what he's doing right now for the Warriors is literally amazing. Literally against the Suns the other night, he had not one. You know, you see people get double team, sometimes triple team, but where you see a quadruple team where you're putting four guys on one guy, and having three people open is shows the amount of respect, the amount of fear that one man can put into a whole league and the, into a coaching staff the night before. It's remarkable what he's doing. My boy Kali came over, and we were watching the game, and he clutched it out. He is the greatest player in this. He's the best player in the world right now. No ifs, ands, and buts. Nobody can do what he does. What he possesses is differently. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of great, great players. This is Steph Curry's league right now. Players that are close to him, you know, obviously there's LeBron, James Harden right now, Kevin Durant, you got Jokic, Embiid, so many top, top, top players. Steph Curry has is different. What he's doing in the situation that he's in right now is phenomenal. And you just got to think about how much better he makes other players around him. He's a magnet. I say this all the time. He's a magnet. Where once he crosses half court, he's a threat. <laughs> That's You know what I'm saying? The three-point line is a lot further from regular. 
what he possesses is just different. You have to be worried about him once he crosses the half-court line. If not, shit a little bit further back if he threatens to shoot it from the half-court spot. It's literally insane. And this MVP race, you know, it reminds me of like the Harden and Westbrook one where you got the numbers by Harden and the best stats. No, you got the, you know, the numbers with a dominant team in Harden. We got the best stats in Westbrook. But then you also have the best player in the world in LeBron at that time. So, like I said, I wouldn't, all of them are worthy. It just depends how you want it. I would say my MVP, you know, I had Embiid, but as far as like when I'm thinking best player and what he is just doing throughout the whole, you know, throughout the season, I got to go with Steph Curry. But I understand why Jokic would MVP, win MVP, and I understand why Embiid would win MVP, and I'm not mad about it. And it's not going to be anybody else other than those three. So I'm content. With it, it's been a very fun MVP contest this whole season. I don't know who, who they're going to give it to. I would say if I was to bet on it, I think it would be Jokic. And I have no problem with Jokic winning the MVP. I don't, I don't understand why Nick Wright, you know, and the media is, as far as, you know, let me get my, you know, my opinion on the media. I, where they go wrong is where they just, you know, forget to talk basketball. You know, they go into the other stuff because of ratings and stuff, and I don't really agree with that aspect about it I, I like talking about the game being a historian of the game being a student of the game I enjoyed that part of basketball talk not about you know narratives about players that's probably not even true and you know not even meeting them or anything like that or you know doing what's best for rating and saying foolish things like that no if you know you have takes you make takes on what you think and how you can debate it but I don't need to go into the extra stuff like, like I was saying about Kyrie, I don't know him personally, but I know when he comes on the court, he's going to ball out. And I know he's definitely have done a lot for the community. It's just when you look at these athletes, because they make a lot of money, especially most of them being visibly black, where they're not wearing helmets or caps, where you can see their face visibly. And, you know, they're, you know, if you look at the first black billionaire, it's Jay-Z, you know, it's either coming from rap or sports. So, you know, people have a lot of issue when it comes to how much money they make, what they can or what they're supposed to do and all of that. I don't feel like I have the right to talk about anybody else's money like that or whatever. So I like to keep it about the game. And, you know, talking about politic issues, um, you know, people can come out and stand where they stand. I don't, if they want to stand the other way where I don't agree, you know, if you can stand true at that point and have a political conversation, that's fine with me. Um, it's okay to disagree. It's just, you know, if you can believe what you're behind, you know, it's, that's fine with me. You just got to, be able to be confident in what you believe in and at least you know, your research because at the end of the day it all depends on personal experience other than that kind of rambled off and a little, little philosophical for a second but like I said I wouldn't have a problem with MVP Jokic I think it would be great for Denver it would be cool but as far as I got some things to include the last thing I like to include about around the league I got some Lakers slander I don't know what people would understand, but like, you know, I'm sorry, Laker fans and LeBron fans, which I think is the two worst things in NBA. The fact that they're combined right now just gives me a headache. I think Laker fans and LeBron fans are worse than the Warrior fans when they had KD and when they were winning. By far. By far. <laughs> By far. Trust me. But y'all are not winning the title. I'm sorry. Um, if you guys get this, y'all are not getting the fifth seed. You know, all Portland needs to do is win tonight, and they have the fifth seed, or Mavericks have the fifth seed. 
but if y'all get the 60, y'all are facing the Clippers. And y'all gonna face the Clippers in the first round after LeBron coming off these high ankle spring where he said he was supposed to return two games ago. He said, nah, I'm not playing. And he said, nah, I'm not playing again last night versus the Rockets. Where you still gotta have chemistry where you just added Andre Drummond and, you know, the additions of, we gotta see what Schroeder can do at that magnitude. We gotta see what Trent, Montrez Harrell can do at that magnitude. I don't think the roster is that talented enough and I don't think they're healthy enough to just make it happen and flip the gear just like that. It's not the bubble where, you know, there's travel and everything. There's going to be fans and all that. It's going to be momentum again. And as far as I haven't seen Andre Drummond doing on a championship level, I have not been impressed on what he has done. I don't know how he's going to play alongside AD. And we're going to have to see how it all meshes. But I don't think you can just make it mesh like that in the playoffs. A lot of things is unfortunate that went the Lakers' way. I will admit that. But y'all are not going to just be able to just manufacture this, you know, right then and there and just expect to be the favorites to go to finals. Now, if y'all get the seventh seed, y'all play the Warriors. And honestly, in a one-game series, I like the Warriors' chances. But say if y'all do beat the Warriors, right, in the seventh game, y'all play against the Suns. I like the Lakers' chances against the Suns. But if they lose to the Warriors and become an eighth seed and then have to beat the Spurs or the Grizzlies and they beat them and play the Jazz in the first round. I don't like y'all chances again in the first round versus the Jazz. But I like y'all chances against the Suns. If y'all beat the Suns, guess what? Y'all get to play the Clippers in the next round. So where it's just they're going to, you know, go even go to the finals. If they do get to the finals, they're not beating Philly. They're not beating the Lakers. And I don't even think they'll even beat the Bucks, to be honest. So will LeBron come out with a high uncle sprain? He, it's... The reason, I don't have no issue with LeBron James. I have an issue with his fans. You know, I don't like the narratives. I don't like, because to elevate LeBron's greatness, what LeBron fans would do is devalue his teammates, his coaches, his situations every single time. They devalue and discredit others to elevate LeBron. That's what they do. And you can't tell me differently that they don't do that. But as far as him being a human being, age is starting to hit him. <laughs> you can see a little bit grumpy. You know, he obviously y'all obviously had a you know, Lakers obviously had a shorter offseason. They're over here planning the parade, you know, for this summer. I don't know how they're gonna do parade, because it's gonna be weird to have a parade where you won the title a year ago and there's gonna be a new champion because y'all for surely not going back to back. Now if he does go back to back, that's where you really gotta give the crown to LeBron. But I don't think that's happening this year. There's a chance that the Lakers will go to the finals next year after they revamp that roster a little bit. But that's this that roster is not talented enough and the chemistry is not there enough to just make a finals run. Now here's where I'm gonna allude it to where is Andre Drummond really better than what Dwight Howard was last year? You know, think about that. Is Schroeder gonna be better in the playoffs than what Rajon Rondo was in the playoffs last year? I'm not sure about that. Is Montrez Harrell going to be as good as what JaVale McGee was? I'm not sure about that. So you just got to take a lot of things into consideration. On top of that, the Lakers last year were like 59-0 when they were leading by the third quarter. 59-0. They were on a revenge tour. They were on a revenge tour. LeBron was rested. He had a whole year off. Age is catching up. The high ankle sprains. I don't think he's going to be fully 100%. If LeBron's not fully 100%, I don't, it doesn't look like the AD's fully 100%. He looked like he's made out of glass, to be honest. No disrespect. 
I'm gonna have to see it. You can't just come out and say they're clear cut favorites. They haven't proved enough yet. This is a different roster. They haven't proved enough. What they have proved right now is that they're a seventh seed. Yes, LeBron has been gone, but shit. Look at the Trailblazers. They're able to manufacture to the fifth seed. They had a whole bunch of injuries for most most of the years. It was just it was just Dame. The Nuggets found a way to win. They don't have they don't have Jamal Murray. They had a weak roster at the beginning. They still found a way to win. Yeah, they had Jokic the whole year. But the roster, I like the pieces that they have around them. I like the pieces that the Clippers have around them. They had guys missing games, you know. So, I'm watching the Jazz continue to stay in first place. They haven't had Donovan Mitchell for a minute. So, they went down to the seventh seed. Y'all got to understand that. Y'all have to understand that. And they're only a couple games above the Warriors, who... He hasn't had, where Steph hasn't had Clay the whole year. The whole year. All right? So, I don't think you can just automatically say, oh, you know, LeBron's just going to come back and take this team with no chemistry and just make a finals run like that. And if he does, then that's amazing. That's really amazing. I will tip my hat. But I'm kind of sure that, I'm pretty sure, actually, that I don't think that's going to happen. They're not winning the ring. Y'all not winning the ring this year. It's just not happening. Sorry. You can go cry about it. I don't care. Y'all kind of ignorant anyway. So, as far as the Lakers, you know, it's something that a Laker fan will probably laugh about. I want to get into the next topic. Is my Oakland A's. And the Oakland A's are set for relocation. You know, I went to a game this year versus the Dodgers, the homie Miguel. And I love the stadium for itself. I love it. It's a shithole, though. And it obviously doesn't remain competitive. And the A's and o the city of Oakland can't come to an agreement where they can get a new stadium. And as far as taxpayers in Oakland, you know, we already know the tax is going up. It's the third most expensive city in the U.S. behind Honolulu and San Francisco right across the bay for no reason. So they obviously don't have the funds or are not going to ask taxpayers to pay me even more taxes for a baseball stadium. And it's sad. It's sad because if, if the A's lo lo I mean, move, then, you know, there's no more teams in Oakland. No Raiders. No A's. The Warriors are in San Francisco. You know, that's the least, at least they have that. But those memories where I have going to the Oracle and the Coliseum, for all three of the games, I've been to Warrior games, I've been to Raider games, and I've been to plenty of A's games. And I'm not going to be able to take my son or, you know, daughter and be able to go in that old piece of shithole stadium. It's sad. You know, it's sad. And if the A's move to Vegas, I will tell you this right now. I will not become a fan. I need them to stay in California. I need them to stay in California. I think the best option for the A's is to move to Sacramento, to be very honest. To be very honest, you can't move them down to L.A. That is Dodger Town. Even, even the Angels is in Dodger Town. San Diego is Padre Town. We're not doing Bakersfield. We're not doing Fresno. Fuck no. Um, you got can't go to San Francisco. Don't want to do Santa Clara. Not Fremont. You know we don't. You know they're not. There's not enough space in Vallejo. I think you go to the capital. Pair the A's. With the Kings, you put the A's where you had the River Cats, where you had a lot of success with the River Cats, because that's the only way that the A's are able to manufacture success is through their minor league teams. I think there's plenty of space. You build a 
stadium where maybe where the Kings Arena was or try to find a place downtown if you can. You know, you got the Cal Expo area, maybe. You can buy that out. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of space in Sacramento, and I think a fan base like Sacramento could adopt the A's, and it's not far from Oakland, where if you move them to Vegas, that's 11 hours. It's a nine-hour drive, where if you got them in Sacramento, that's only an hour and 30-minute drive. You had the minor league team there. You're still in California, You're still in Northern California, where... A lot of the Bay Area culture has been moving up to Sacramento. Um, I think it will be the perfect move. I think it will be per perfect fit. I think it will be good for Sacramento developing as a city. Remember, this is still the capital of California. And I think it will be the perfect place. I think Sacramento will be the perfect place. Please do not move this team to Vegas. I'd rather move the team to Portland than move to Vegas. Please don't move the team to Vegas. I don't think, I don't like the idea of team, our you know, my favorite team's going to Vegas. I don't like that idea. They just have hotels and stuff, and yeah, cool. But I don't like looking at, I like looking at the culture of the sport rather than just the money brand part, and that's all it is. It's betting in Vegas. That's all it is. It's all we know, gambling, strippers, all that. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what Vegas is. I don't, I don't look at this team like just a brand because the culture, where it came from. Please don't move this team to Vegas, please try to get them to Sacramento. I think Sacramento has to be the play. Sacramento could use another sports team. The Kings and the A's can take over the city and really have some success. And I think the city itself will get better and get more money. This team, this city is definitely gonna come, come up and go around Midtown. There's some things to do. You got a mixture of nature. You got a mixture of city as well. You got a lot of dry land. It's not as dry as people think it is. Let's try to make a move to Sacramento. Please. Please, please, please. Don't move another team from my hometown outside of the state. Please don't do that. Please. That's what I got to say about that. And the last thing I want to talk about is the new re newly released NFL schedule. And I want to talk about the 49ers schedule. And it's looking really, really nice. We have probably the easiest schedule in the NFL based on the talent we have and based on the teams we play. Because we were in last place and everybody wanted to laugh at us for being in last place last year because we had over 20 injuries, we are benefited by playing a lot of the last place teams in other divisions. And that's how it worked. That's how it worked when we went to the Super Bowl the first year. Uh, I mean, just in 2019, where we went 2-14, got Nick Bosa, you know, wasn't as injured before because... People don't understand I me. Mean, when Jimmy got injured, it wasn't just Jimmy getting injured. We had plenty of injuries in 2018. We were wasting. I remember I have a video of myself getting irritated watching a game where we wasted all of our timeouts on injury timeouts. So, as far as uh, as far as then the next year, we have the easiest schedule technically because we play against all the last place teams. We took advantage of it. And people can, people's gonna be like, oh, you got an easy schedule, whatever. You still gotta beat us in the playoffs, and nobody beat us in the playoffs, and we just found a way to lose in the Super Bowl. Simple as that. And when I'm looking at this schedule, I'm like, hmm, W, 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 L, W, 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 L, W, W, L, W, 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 W. I see a 14 and 3 season, and let's recap this season. So, first, we got the preseason. We got the Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders. It's always fun playing the Raiders in the preseason. But what's amazing about this year preseason is that we have 
Well, we actually got, technically, we got a QB competition. I think Jimmy is QB1, but we get to see what Trey Lance can do in the preseason. I think preseason is going to be very interesting. See a little bit of Josh Rosen. You know, hopefully Josh Rosen has only come from emergencies, but we get to see Trey Lance. We get to see him play probably two or three quarters. Can't wait for those games. And then we start off week one. We start off at Detroit, which is a perfect week one game. A team that's in a rebuild. Um, I think Detroit won't start really getting the wheels running until like week seven. I think, you know, since they're in a rebuild, I think they're going to, you know, have people buy in and they might be a competitive team by like week eight, week nine, pull like a, you know, a Miami Dolphins or a New York Giants type year. Or they might find a way to win five or six games and just show promise. But week one in Detroit, I think we get the W. And then we go to Philly, another team that's technically in a rebuild. They're going to, you know, I think that's another team that might get the wheels running, depending on how good the coach is. But Philly, I like our chances versus Philly. Week three, our first home game of the season, Green Bay. We own Green Bay when we're healthy. Yeah, they got us last year, but we had people missing due to COVID and all that and stuff like that. That game, it was a Thursday night. They got us messed up for not moving that game back. But whatever, we own Green Bay when we're healthy. We've seen what happened in 2019. Remember, we do have the best middle linebacker in the NFL in Fred Warner. And then we're going to have Nick Bosa coming back. Woo! I think there's a chance that Sherman maybe come back. But I like what we did in the draft. We have those guys come back, get our full guys healthy. Year two of Brandon Ayuk, hopefully a healthy Debo. We got Maserati with more running backs with Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. We still got Jeff Wilson, Kittle Skittles. Uh, upgraded offensive line, added with Aaron Banks. We got Trent Williams signed. McGlinchey's there. Bruns School. And we got Alex Mack now. We got a lot. We got a lot of, you know, we got our guys back. And we're ready to go. And Green Bay with all this Aaron Rodgers drama, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers, don't matter. I like our chances versus Green Bay. They don't want to get physical with us. Take a W right there. So we start off 3-0. Then we got Seattle at home, week four. And I think we end up losing this game. Now, one thing that we do struggle with is mobile quarterbacks, which is why in our schedule I have us losing one game versus the Seattle Seahawks and one game versus the Arizona Cardinals. But So week four, I got us losing Seattle. We're not going to go 17-0. I'm going to be a little realistic. So, But then week five, we come back to Arizona. We just face against running Russell Wilson. We go at Arizona, and we got to go against running Kyler Murray. I think we get a W that week. We get a W, and we go into a bye. So we got a bye week six, so we have an early bye. And then we're going to have to play 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 games in a row because the season is 18 weeks. So then we got a bye, and we got to go versus Indy. Now, I feel like out of we play Indianapolis, Minnesota, and Tennessee, one of these games I feel like we're going to lose. We're just going to lose. There's good rosters. Can't win them, win them all. I think we lose a good game. But versus Indianapolis, where we're coming off of a bye on a Sunday night, I like our chances versus Indianapolis. It's the return of DeForest Buckner. I am very scared of that. But Carson Wentz and Indianapolis Colts, you know, they got a good run game. But does run game really bother me? Because we have Fred Warner. And I <laughs> get the best middle linebacker in the league. I think we'll be fine when we got Ken Law and we got Armstead and all those defensive guys pass rushers that we got I think will be straight versus Indianapolis so I like our chances especially coming off a bye then week eight we got to go at Chicago Chicago's not ready for us yet they got a good defense but I don't know if that offense is going to be ready enough um, by then who knows if Justin Fields or Andy Dalton I think we're a better football team than Chicago take the dub right there 
And then in week nine, we got Arizona at home. I think we catch the L. Arizona can be real tricky. I respect them, but they're not going to go anywhere until they fire that coach. But we have been going one and one with Arizona. Uh, when we went to the Super Bowl, we went 2-0, and but those are two very close games. You know, trying to beat a team in your division twice is always hard. But as far as being the division twice being hard, beating the Rams ain't hard. And we got the Rams week 10, and I'm going with the W. I don't give a damn about Matt Stafford. We own the Rams, and I'm going to predict a sweep. We play them twice, and I think we're going to win both times. So week 10, we place against the Los Angeles Rams. I think we win versus the Rams. I think the Niners, every single time I watched the Niners since I became a fan, they they take they, they take it up an extra notch when we play, play against the Rams. I don't really... Out of all the teams, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals, I think we'd be beefing with the Rams the most. I think they want to beat the Rams the most. Now, if you're talking about the Kaepernick days, obviously the Seahawks is the biggest rivalry, but I think we have the biggest rivalry with the with with the Rams. And we just take the Rams personally. And I know they're taking it personally too. They're tired of getting swept. But, you know, sorry to tell you, y'all getting swept again. So then we got Jacksonville at week eleven. We'll take care of them. We got a W. Week 12, Minnesota. I actually got us taking an L this week. Um, I like their additions to that D-line. I liked what they did in the draft. Um, they got an offensive lineman as well, and Christian Derrishaw. And I think Kirk Cousins, I mean, they, they're receiving core. We got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and um, Mike Irv, Michael Irv Jr. I for, forgot I forget his name. Um, Irv Smith or whatever. That tight end from Alabama, they got him. They got some weapons. Their offense is very dynamic. The problem with um, the Vikings last year was their defense, and they made some huge additions to the defense. Um, they got Patrick Peterson, and they drafted some good D linemen as well as linebacker. And then you got to talk about the guys that they already have. They didn't have Daniil Hunter last year. They got Michael Kendricks coming back, who I think Fred Warner is a lot like. And he was just a he's just a higher – he became like a better version of Michael Kendrick, a guy who can just stop the run, but he's really good in the pass game. Just a pure all-around linebacker. Eric Kendricks is very underrated. I think we go in a little close game with Minnesota – um, Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins, very similar type quarterbacks. You know, Kirk Cousins is easy to laugh at him, but he wasn't the main reason why the Vikings were losing. You talk about primetime games, yeah, he's bad at primetime games, but like I said, the Vikings couldn't stop a nickel. So I got us maybe just losing that game, um, lose against the Minnesota, but that will be the last loss of the season. I got us winning out. So because we 13, we get our rematch versus Seattle at Seattle on a Sunday night, and we take care of them. Then we go to Cincinnati take care of Cincinnati, Atlanta, we got to get our rematch from what happened last time, who actually when they released their schedule release, they didn't have Julio Jones as a wallpaper, and I think we'll be a great destination for Julio Jones, get Julio back with, get Julio back with Kyle Shanahan, I would love to see that, I would love to see Julio in the Bay, then we got that, then we got Tennessee, week 16, and then it's going to be on a Thursday night at Tennessee, you know, that game can go either go either way. You know, I was definitely stuck on this one, whether we're going to win or lose. But I think because we'll be so hot after beating Seattle, Cincinnati, and Atlanta, I think we take care of business with Tennessee only because we have the best middle linebacker in the league. You know, obviously you're dealing with Derrick Henry, but we got the best middle linebacker in the league. And on top of that, he got a very good sidekick in Dre Greenlaw. So I think we will contain Tennessee's run game, especially what we got up front. And then we got Houston week 17. We already know Houston ain't winning too many games. I think they're projected of getting the number one pick for sure, especially if Deshaun Watson is not playing. And then we got L.A. for the last game of the season. And 
you already know what I said or how I feel about this. Sweep, sweep, sweep. They're just dust, all right? I think we'll sweep LA again, and I say that confidently. I'm going to have to see them do something. So, 14-3 and three season is what I'm predicting, and, you know, hopefully I'm right about that. I would love to see the team go 14-3 and three where we can get a number one or number two seed again, and we can make the Super Bowl run, whether it's with Jimmy or Trey Lance. We got options this time. Hopefully we can stay at least 85% healthy, but the team really made an effort to build depth this year and as far as our pass rushers we got a lot more depth on the pass rushers so i don't think our defense is going to miss a step on top of having if you know as long as fred warner is playing we'll be fine on defense i i truly believe that i truly believe that he was able to manufacture a top 15 defense last year also shout out to robert salah but D'Amico ryans is now the defensive coordinator who has played in the nfl for about like what 13 to 15 seasons so i think we'll be in, i think we'll be in really good shape so yeah that's it got a long episode we're at 53 minutes and yeah that's where i'm going to end it to so this is episode 49 my next episode is about to be episode 50 and yeah you know, it, it means a lot it honestly means a lot to me i like i said when when i started this year when i really started being consistent i Really wanted to prove to myself, or you know, not prove to y'all, but really prove to myself that I could be consistent with something um, that can hopefully help me in the long run. Who knows how much you know this is gonna mean in the future? And I know I can't just keep doing this forever. Obviously, not making money or whatever, but I'm having a good time, passionate about it, and it's nice to see how far this has came so long. We still got a very long way to go, a very long way to go, but all the support. You know, um, the compliments, the criticism, all that. I, it definitely helps me out. And I can't tell y'all how how long of a way we came so far, you know, through this journey. You know, I, when I, when me personally, when I listen to the episode, I know what where I was at in my life at that time. You know, I'm bringing a different type of vulnerability to this podcast. You know, I'm really opening y'all to myself. And I can, I can honestly be content and be happy knowing that I'm putting I'm putting out what I want to put out I'm saying what I want to say I'm you know I it's hard to explain it's hard to explain but I can truly say I'm happy with starting this podcast I don't regret it you know and I'm happy I can keep putting out these episodes because there's times you know well when I first started there was times where it's like oh no I couldn't do it and you know, that had to do with situations that was, was going on. But, you know, like, there was definitely times where I'm like, you know, I want, I want to give up. And the fact that I haven't given up yet, I feel like was growth for myself. And one thing I stated from before was trying to finish something I started. And the fact that I've been technically consistent as far as uploading three, three times a week for the past five months while working two jobs... I'll have to pat myself on the back for that, being consistent with it. Now, I can't throw a party or, you know, act like I'm finished, but I, it's definitely something me personally I feel like I can be proud of. And it wouldn't have come with the support of my peers and the people that listen to this podcast that constantly push me to keep doing this. Whether it's only two or three people listening, it, it still pushes me to keep going. And I'm honestly grateful, blessed as far as the situation I'm in 
and my life could be 10 times worse than what it is, and my life is not bad at all. So I, there's just a lot to be grateful for. And yeah, can't wait to come with that 50th episode. I'm going to end this one right here. And I hope everybody has a wonderful evening, wonderful day. And thanks for listening if you got this far. Much love. Peace.